Let's take our Bibles this morning. Please turn to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. And I'm pausing just for this morning, the Created with a Purpose series, um, just because I felt like we have a very different crowd here today and, and want to encourage some folks online as well. John chapter 4, we're going to talk about Jesus, our only hope. Jesus, our only hope, our steadfast hope. Jesus Christ. John chapter 4, we'll look near the end of the chapter, verse 46. I normally would save announcements to the end of the service, but I want to make sure our live stream crowd hears a couple things today. Um, we, are, we are just trying to let people rest and, and uh, get recovered. And I said earlier while I was praying, there's a lot of COVID, but there's also another flu going around and causing stomach problems for people. And it's just been rampant in our church this week. And uh, so I, I want to say a couple things. One, if you need anything, please contact us, and uh, we would be happy to try to help you, bring things to your home, whatever we can do to be a blessing or a help, and uh, I'm, uh, our staff has been decimated. Calvin and I are the only two here today from our staff. I think Cindy's actually here as well. Uh, she, she was feeling pretty rough earlier in the week, but I'm glad that she's back today, and, uh, but the rest of our staff is out, and if they're not out, their families are sick. And so uh, Brother uh, Calvin's family is sick as well. And so I kind of half expected he'd be sick this morning because his family's been sick this week. But praise the Lord, he's doing well. And uh, so I never thought, I honestly never thought of all of our staff, I'd be the healthy one. But praise the Lord, I, I know, uh, you know when the Bible says that uh, to Job that, that he, he had his, uh, his body was buffeted? I always read that as buffet. Amen. And so I buffet my body pretty regularly too. And uh, anyway, I never thought I'd be the healthy one, but let's, let's pray for them. But our staff, whatever we have left are here to help you if we can, and we'll do whatever we can and, and what's reasonable and, and uh, scriptural. We won't break the law for you, but we'll do our very best to be a help and a blessing. But in an effort to allow even our staff families to rest, we're not going to have service tonight. Um, again, you know, Calvin's family's homesick. Cody's uh, family's all sick. Paul McPherson has COVID. Uh, Ruth Fett has COVID. And so we're just one right after another. So let's remember them in prayer. But we will cancel service tonight to let people rest. Uh, with the email I sent out yesterday, there was a link on the bottom. If you're interested in watching an online service, I put a link there for Solid Rock Baptist Church. That's where my daughter Emily went to Bible college. And they always have a great service. And uh, it starts at 5.30. So it's just a half hour after ours would normally start. So it's right around there. And uh, you can just click on that link. And at 5.30, it'll open up and give you a service you could watch. Or I would encourage you to uh, watch a service from another good church. And uh, it was just, we're so short-staffed, it's hard for us to even to, to get something together here for tonight. Uh, also, we're not going to have choir practice this afternoon or tomorrow. Tomorrow night, uh, Mrs. Baker also has COVID, and uh, so it just it's very difficult um, without her. And so we're gonna we're not gonna have that tomorrow night or today or this afternoon or tomorrow night. And then Tuesday we'll cancel seniors. Uh, if you look around, most of you stayed home today, and so uh, if you're at home, you know that. And so we just want to be careful. But then perfectly by Wednesday we'll we'll get things back in in order again. But Here's, here's the thing. If you did not receive update emails of what's going on in our church, we send out two or three of those every week, and yesterday one went out. Please grab a connection card at the door. Let, let's do that now because I don't want you to forget. Kevin, would you grab some connection cards? Raise your hand if, I do not, if you're not on our emailing list, and if you're not, Brother Kevin's going to bring you a card. Just put your email and your name on there. We'll get you on the email list, and you will have those regular updates because it's so important uh, that we have those. All right, so uh, I'm going to go ahead, and we're going to look at John chapter 4. And when Kevin comes back in with those cards, if he can find them, 
And then we will uh, we'll just, just raise your hand or wave at him and he will bring you one, all right? John chapter 4, look down at verse 46 with me. John chapter 4, verse 46. So Jesus came again into Cana of Galilee where he made the water wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus was come out of Judea unto Galilee, he went unto him and besought him that he would come down and heal his son, for he was at, listen to this, the point of death. This is a pretty dire situation. Verse 48, then said Jesus unto him, except ye see signs and wonders, ye will not believe. Verse 49, the nobleman saith unto him, sir... Come down ere my child die. Jesus saith unto him, Go thy way, thy son liveth. And the man believed the word that Jesus had spoken unto him, and he went his way. Notice those words, believed. The Bible says in verse 48, Jesus said to the man, knowing that there was something going on in his heart, before he ever opened his mouth, Jesus said to him, except you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. And Jesus was saying to him, you need to believe before you see the signs and wonders. If you want something to happen that is supernatural and miraculous here at this moment, Jesus knows what's going on. He knows that this man has a burden upon his heart. He knows that his son lieth at death. He says, except you see signs and wonders, ye shall not believe. The man was not coming to Jesus looking for a sign or a wonder in order to believe. Instead, Jesus was saying, you need to believe first if you want to see God work. And so he says in verse 49, the nobleman saith unto him, Sir, come down ere my child die. In other words, I do believe. I believe that if you come down, you can save my son. Boy, that's faith, isn't it? We heard just last week at the revival services, Mary and Martha saying to the Lord Jesus Christ, If you had been here, my brother had not died. And though they may have been questioning the Lord Jesus Christ, there was a lot of faith in that statement, wasn't it? They believed that if Jesus had been there, he could save their brother Lazarus. This man is saying much the same. Verse 50, Jesus saith unto him, because he saw his faith, go thy way, thy son liveth. And the man believed. The word that Jesus had spoken, he didn't have to see the miracle. He didn't need a sign or a wonder. He just simply believed the word. I would encourage you to underline that phrase in your Bible, believed the word. Believed the word. I saw a bumper sticker years ago, and you've probably seen the one, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. A lady in our church, Winnie, she said this to me one day, she says it ought to just say, God said it, that settles it. Who cares if you believe it? And she's absolutely right. Our belief or our faith does not settle God's word. God's word is always right, always true. But it is important that we do believe his word. And the Bible says there that the man believed the word that Jesus had spoken unto him and he went his way. There is a group today and there always has been and there always will be since the Garden of Eden when Satan questioned the word of God that will question the very words of God. Verse 51. And as he was now going, I'm sorry, my pages are sticking. Here we go. As he was now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, Thy son liveth. Then inquired he of them the hour when he began to be amend. 
And they said unto him, Yesterday at the seventh hour the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at the same hour in the which Jesus saith unto him, Thy son liveth. And himself believed and his whole house. This is again the second miracle that Jesus did when he was come out of Judea into Galilee. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. We do praise you and thank you today for being so good to us. Father, what we see in this passage of scripture today is a message of hope. A message that reminds us that the Lord Jesus Christ is the source of all of our hope. He is a steadfast hope, as Hebrews 6 says, an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast. I pray, Lord, today for those that are upon their sickbed, whether they have COVID, whether they have a flu, whatever they might have, Lord, that they would receive hope from the word of God today. The scriptures would encourage them and help them. Father, for that to happen, the Holy Spirit of God has to burn it within our hearts. The word of God has to be mixed with faith. The Bible says even in this passage that they believed the word. So Father, we pray, Lord, that as we look unto Jesus today, that we would believe what he says, that we would believe the very word of God, that the spirit of God would convince our hearts of its truths. Lord, I ask you for your help today that you might fill me with your spirit. Lord, we'll thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, the Bible is a book of hope. From beginning to end, we see the, the story of a Messiah that would come and crush the serpent's head. Giving hope to a, a man and a woman who had taken of a fruit and, and, and began to, to die almost immediately physically. And, and now their life had a span put upon it. And God gave them hope that one day life would be restored through the Lord Jesus Christ and his sacrifice at Calvary. We can look to Jesus today as that hope that is both sure and steadfast as it says in Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 19. We have a road map to hope. The Bible says that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life and no man come to the Father but by me. This gives us hope. We have precepts in the word of God which give us hope. We have promises in the word of God that give us hope. We have psalms from David that give us hope. And on and on we could go. But the greatest of all, we have Jesus who gives us hope. First Timothy chapter 1 says this, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the commandment of God our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ, which is our hope. Colossians 1.27, Paul again writing to the church of Colossae, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of his mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Well, as we come to John chapter 4, we read of a nobleman who was up against a seemingly impossible situation. His son lieth at the point of death. The Bible said he was sick and he was at the point of death in verse 47. And I suppose the parents here today would understand the heart of this man to do whatever it took to see that his son had the best opportunity to be healed. As I think about this nobleman today, I, I think that the name implies that he likely had the best education. He was rich. Anything he needed, he could go out and get. Some of you are blessed in that way as well. I know of folks in our, our church or in our, even my a family that'll say, well, we really don't do Christmas gifts because if I need anything, I just go out and get it. 
And, and isn't it a wonderful blessing to say, I need a new pair of slacks and I can just go to the store and I can just put down the money. God has blessed us in a great way. And this nobleman had need of nothing. He had servants if he were hungry to prepare him a meal. If he were thirsty, somebody could go and draw him some water. If his shingles were loose or his door was squeaking, he had a handyman that he could pay to fix it. Anything he needed was at his fingertips. If he had a sick, if he was sick, he could call the best doctors. But now he ran into a sickness that was unto death. And it brought him to a place of hopelessness. I have no doubt that prior to this story, if we could dig into it a little deeper, if, if the heavens would open and allow us to see what happened prior to this, I, I, I'm sure you would probably agree with me, and I'm not trying to read into the scriptures or add to the scriptures in any way, but I am guessing that this nobleman has called all the best doctors. If he has the resources and the money to do so, there's no doubt in my mind that he would call unto them and ask them to come and, and attend to his son. But those doctors would show up and put away their stethoscope, tuck away their thermometer, and say, we can do nothing more. All you can do is pray. The term nobleman implies that he was a ruler among the Jews. No doubt that meant that he could call upon the Pharisees, the Sadducees, his local rabbi to come and pray around that bed. He was likely friends with the leadership of the synagogue and no doubt they would come and they would pray. Perhaps being a nobleman, he had enough clout to get the high priest to come from Jerusalem up to Galilee and there meet with this boy. I, I don't know what happened, but I'm saying I believe this man was probably willing to exhaust all his resources. And perhaps somebody suggested to him one day, have you tried Jesus? Was he healed anybody? No. Not yet. The Bible plainly says this was just his second miracle, and we know the first was turning water to wine. But there's something different about him. There's something about him that tells us he has the ability to help. And so this nobleman called for Jesus. In John chapter 4 we see that after everybody else had left, this boy was still at the point of death. Humanly speaking, there was nothing left to do. And so he turned to the Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes I see myself in this story. We often turn to so many other things before we turn to Jesus. Jesus. We're concerned about our retirement and our finances, and so we go to a financial advisor, and I'm not against that. But have we prayed about what God wants us to do with our finances? We're sick, and so we make an appointment at the doctor, and again, I'm not against that. God has given us doctors. Luke was a physician, and Jesus was the great physician. But do we pray about it first? Do we seek God first? But as a last resource, we often come to the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what we see with this man here. And honestly, I give this man the benefit of the doubt over I do myself because it's likely he had not heard of Jesus yet. Perhaps he would have run to him first had he heard first. 
The Bible says simply, he went to Jesus. When he heard that Jesus was come out of Judea into Galilee, he went unto him and besought him that he would come down and heal his son. For he was at the point of death. You know, when we think about Jesus, he's not just a doctor, he is the great physician. He's not a religious leader like those Pharisees and the Sadducees that may have prayed around this little boy's bed, but he is the Savior of the world. He is not just the God of the living, but he is the resurrection and the life. So I want to ask you the question today, how can we truly rest in the hope of Jesus Christ? Notice, if you will, some things from the scriptures today. Number one, we see the building of hope. The building of hope. Hope has to be built in a life. You know, this man turned to the Lord Jesus Christ, and the Lord immediately rebuked him in a sense. He says, maybe you've come to see a sign and wonder, but that, that, you, you, you always seem to have to have a sign or a miracle or a wonder in order to believe. And he was challenging the man's faith. Do you have faith now? Do you believe I am the great physician? Do you believe I can do this great miracle before I ever do it? Or are you hoping I will do the miracle, then you'll believe me? The Lord challenged him, and we see that the Lord was trying to build hope in his life. And I, I see a couple ways we see hope built in our lives. And first of all, we see through hitting the bottom. Notice, notice what he says in verse 47. When he heard that Jesus was come out of Galilee, into Galilee, and jumped down the front, and he wanted him to heal his son, for he was at the point of death. I am not suggesting today that you go and empty your bank account and give all your money away. I'm not suggesting that you call your doctor and cancel your upcoming appointments. I, I, I'm not saying you should stop seeking godly counsel. I just want to tell you this today, that there are times that God builds our hope in him and our faith in him by stripping everything away that we hold dear. It wasn't long ago I heard somebody say out loud, I sure hope, I sure hope I don't get sick because I don't know what they'll do in my class if, if I'm not there. I, I, I don't know what they'll do in Sunday school if, if I'm not available. Well, guess what? They got sick. And guess what? We had Sunday school last week. It just kept going forward. And I'm not trying to point out anybody or hurt anybody and, or embarrass anybody, but I, let me say this. None of us are indispensable. None of us. I have no doubt in my mind that, that, that if God had struck me dead this morning and, and Calvin was sick and, and, and just started going through our ranks, that God could, could grab Daniel Smith and he could come up and preach the word of God or God could use anybody he chooses to use. I don't know if you know the story of the night D.L. Moody got saved. The night D.L. Moody got saved, he was, was out in, in the city of Boston and it was pouring rain and he ducked into a church to get dry. Piano was playing and so he sat down on the back road. That night the weather was so bad that the preacher couldn't make it in. The bridge had been washed out and the roads were full of mud. And in the days of horse and carriage, you just couldn't go anywhere. And so the preacher didn't show up and half the congregation didn't show up. And so one man who had never preached in his life got up and preached to six people that night. And D.L. Moody accepted Christ as his savior. God can use anybody he wants to use. And so sometimes God has to strip away everything we have to teach us a lesson, one, in humility, 
but one, and that we can, and two, that we can have hope in him. That's what God did for this man, this noble man, who could previously trust in his riches, in his doctors, in the high society that he lived in. His friends had all the resources in the world, but now he had hit rock bottom, and nothing could be done for his son. The Bible says he was at the point of death. All he could do was put his hope in Jesus. It was one of the great themes we find through the Bible that we can only trust in Jesus Christ. He couldn't trust in self. He had to stop trusting in religion. And he must put his eyes firmly upon Jesus. But you know, the Lord showed me in this passage that not only does he build hope in our lives through hitting bottom, but also he builds hope in our life through his blessings. Through his blessings. Notice what it says down near the end of this, or verse 50 of this passage. Jesus saith unto him, Go thy way, thy son liveth. That's a blessing, isn't it? And the man believed the word that Jesus had spoken unto him, and he went his way. Now, keep reading. And as he was going now, now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, Thy son liveth. Then inquired he of them the hour when he began to amend. And they said unto him, Yesterday at the seventh hour the fever left him. So the father knew that it was the same hour. In the which Jesus said unto him, Thy son liveth, and himself believed. Notice those next four words. And his whole house. This man had to hit rock bottom for his hope to be built. But for the rest in the house, their hope was built by the blessings of God. They saw the miracle of God. They saw how good God had been to, to, the, to their nobleman, to their master, to the one that they served. And they were rejoicing about this boy, I suppose. And they were excited that he was healed. And the Bible says, as a result, the whole house came to trust in Jesus. I, I don't know what your relationship is with the things that you have. Sometimes God has to strip them away for us to put our hope in him. But for those who are truly thankful for what God has done for us, he builds hope in that. He said, well, how, how does that work? Because he did it before, he'll do it again. I, I'm always blessed by saints of God who God has blessed and taken care of and, and provided in their lives. And when the trial does come, they just don't seem to worry. They can shrug it off because, hey, God has always taken care of me. I've always had three meals a day and I've always had a roof over my head and God has always provided and, and because I am thankful for those things and because I praise him for all that he's done in my life, he has built my hope in him. So we see in the passage two different ways hope is built. For the man, everything had to be stripped away. He had to hit bottom. But for the others, we see because of God's blessings. You know, Paul said this, he said, I know how to be both exalted and abased. I know how to be hungry and filled. When I was hungry, when I was hungry, God brought me to rock bottom and it helped me to put my trust in him and my faith in him and I prayed and I believed. When I was filled, I was thankful and I knew that God would always take care of me. And so he says, I have learned this, that whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. Our hope is in the Lord. She said, well, I've had a rather hard life. God is teaching you to trust him. He said, man, I've had a good life. 
God wants you to count your blessings so you'll trust him the next time when things do get hard. Either way, Christ is our hope. So we see the the building of hope. I want you to see, secondly, the belief of hope. The belief of hope. Look at verse 50 with me. The belief. Jesus saith unto him, Go thy way, thy son liveth. And the man believed the word that Jesus had spoken unto him, and he went his way. There's a couple things that allow us to have this hope in Jesus Christ. Number one, an acceptance of faith. You have to believe. There is no hope in that which we do not believe. Does that make sense? If if you don't believe that the chair is going to hold you, you're you're not going to have any hope. You're not going to sit. There's no way. I'll end up on the floor. I'll break my tailbone. I'll be injured. And so we, we, we have hope in what we have faith in. And the Bible says the man believed. He had hope in Jesus because he had faith in Jesus. And I believe that he had faith before the Lord Jesus Christ ever said anything because he went to him and he says, Lord, come down. My son is at the point of death. You're my only hope. So he had an acceptance of faith. But not only did he have an acceptance of faith, he had an act of faith. Notice what the Bible says. Jesus saith unto him, Go thy way, thy son liveth, and the man believed the word that Jesus had spoken unto him, and he went his way. There was some evidence of his faith. How many of you know, as parents, that if you're at the hospital and you're at the bedside of a a sick child, you bring that baby in and you put him there on that And you don't know what's wrong. There's a fever. There's sickness. Perhaps the doctor says there's something seriously wrong here. And the doctor says to you, listen, just trust me. Go home. We'll give you a call when the baby's ready to go home. How many of you mamas are going home? (laughs) No. You know, I'm staying right here. I'll be by their bedside. Most hospitals now make allowances for that. They allow mom or dad to sit right beside that bedside and they can take shifts and, and, and they can nurture that child and they can help that child along. But, but a mom or a dad that truly loves that child, they don't go anywhere. They, they slip out for a bathroom and they, they, they go in and give each other breaks so they can take a shower and get something to eat. But they, they minister to that child. And the fact says, the Bible says this man, uh, Jesus said, go thy way. And the Bible says he went. I'm thinking there's no way he goes if he doesn't believe. I think he falls at the feet of Jesus and continues to beg. He says, no, 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 you've got to come with me. You don't understand, Jesus. My plan is this, that you come down with me. You come down to the house. You meet my child. You minister to his needs. You help him. But the fact that the man acted on his faith tells me he believed in Jesus. Well, that'd been hard for me. I'm going to be honest with you. Jesus, you don't understand. I I waited for you to come from Judea up into Galilee. When I heard you came into the area, I rushed out to meet you. And boy, you're hard to get an audience with. And thousands of people are thronging you. I might not get another chance. I, I need you desperately to come. And Jesus says, just go. He's fine. Your son lives. And the man acted on his faith and he went. Let me ask you, so many times we say we believe, and yet we lack hope. Is it because we're afraid to step out and act on our belief? 
to truly put it in the hands of the Lord and trust him. Notice what he believed. He believed his word. He believed his word. This is the very foundation of our lives right here. This is God's love letter to us. This is the precepts that we follow. This is what we are to trust and obey. And you say, well, my hope is in the Lord. Our only knowledge of the Lord comes through the word of God. His Holy Spirit teaches us his word. The Bible says he will guide us into all truth in John chapter 15. The Bible says that the word of God must be mixed with faith in order for us to believe it. This nobleman believed the words of the Lord Jesus Christ and his hope was restored. And he was able to leave the feet of Jesus because he believed. We see the building of hope, but we see the belief of hope. I want you to see the benefits of hope. Notice verse 51. And as he was now going, going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, Thy son liveth. Then inquired he of them the hour when he began to amend, and they said unto him, Yesterday at the seventh hour the fever left him. How many, how many, how many of you think that this, this nobleman had a little smirk on his face and said, Hey, when did it take place? I don't think he was questioning God here. I, I just don't believe that. I, I could be completely wrong, and so don't take this as I'm preaching some heresy. I don't believe that. I just, I just think that when he asked, hey, when did it take place? When did it happen? At the seventh hour. I knew it. I knew it. That's when Jesus said, thy son liveth. That hope bore fruit. The benefits of hope we see immediately in the man's life as his son is healed. And the Bible says in verse 53, so the father knew that it was at the same hour in which Jesus said unto him, thy son liveth and himself believed in his whole house. This is again the second miracle that Jesus did when he was come out of Judea into Galilee. We see a couple things here about the benefits of hope. Number one, we see a comforting faith. A comforting faith. If they had a Timex watch I believe they could have set their time by the time Jesus said he is healed and the boy was healed. I believe it was that instantaneously. I, I believe that God, when he does a miracle, he does it with precision. And there was an instant benefit to this man and it brought him a great comfort. And there was no way the man could go home and, and, and find out that the boy's just fever broke through the night or something happened naturally over time or the boy began to, to eat a little bit of food or take a little bit of water and show a little bit of strength. No, the Bible says at this hour, and the man knew. Let me ask you this. If, and I say if, the man had called all his friends and all the doctors he knew, and, and we're just assuming, if he had done that when his boy first fell ill before he ever called on Jesus, who do you think he calls first the next time? Do you think he learned something about prayer? There's a great comfort in having Jesus as our hope. To know that he has the power to fix any situation he chooses. But it wasn't just a comforting faith, it was a confirming faith. The true measure of faith is not being able to trust God when things go our way, but when they don't. And we can still have hope knowing that God is working all things together for good. 
Jesus did not go with the man as requested. Instead, he had something better in mind. I'm going to show you I don't have to be there. What a wonderful thought for us today that confirms in our heart. You say, well, I don't see God. Isn't that what faith is all about? The evidence of things not seen? Where was God when this happened? Right there in the middle of it, comforting people. Helping people. How many, how many of you heard that after 9-11? Where was God? Where was God? I'm going to tell you, it doesn't take a lot of research to read the stories of where God was that day. That building was supposed to have another three or 4,000 people in it. And because of traffic jams, because a train didn't run, because a baby was sick, thousands upon thousands stayed home from work that day. Isn't that incredible? You would, you would think there was a, a, an epidemic sweeping through, but it wasn't. It was God protecting people, comforting people, helping people. Here's what I know about God. He will never leave me nor forsake me. I can always have hope in him. And though I cannot see everything he's doing, I know he's working all things together for my good because I trust him. It's a comforting hope and it's a confirming hope. And by the way, when you walk with him, he always seems to just show up and let you know he's there. I'm sure if I were to take testimonies today from those that know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior, we can all testify a time when we knew that God was right there with us. We can testify of his presence in our lives. The truth is he's always there. We just have to listen. Jesus did this miracle from afar to teach the man just to trust, to have your hope in me. The benefits of hope, it's a comforting faith, it's a confirming faith, but we see in verse 53, it's a contagious faith. Notice what happened. The man goes home and he says, what hour did this take place? And they said, yesterday, about the seventh hour, the fever left him. I would suspect that everybody that worked in that house thought, somebody go get the master. The boy's fever broke. He's doing better. Whatever the doctor gave him last week has finally kicked in. I'm guessing that would have been their conclusion. He's gone off to see Jesus to try to get some help, but he doesn't need it anymore. His fever has broke. And when the man said, when did this take place? And they said the seventh hour. Again, I have to read between the lines a little bit. But the Bible says the man's faith was strengthened. He believed again. And the Bible says his whole house believed. How do you suppose they believed? Because he said that was the exact hour. Jesus said, thy son is healed. Thy son lives. It was a contagious faith. That household was completely changed because they put their hope in Jesus Christ. I just want to tell you today that our hope ought to always be in the Lord. There, there's sometimes some dark things that go on in our lives where we can trust in Jesus. Here's a few verses that David wrote. Be of good courage and he shall strengthen your heart, all ye that hope in the Lord. 
For in thee, O Lord, do I hope. Thou wilt hear, O Lord my God. And now, Lord, what wait I for? My hope is in thee. Hebrews 6 reminds us once again which hope we have, both steadfast and sure. It's an anchor of the soul. We've used the word hope a thousand times today. I'm not talking about a hope-so feeling. I leave this to the end on purpose, my definition of the word hope. Sometimes we, we're going somewhere to a, a birthday party or a family reunion or something. Say, you think so-and-so is going to be there? Well, I hope so, but we really don't know. We use the word hope in that sense. This word hope comes from Hebrews 6. It is steadfast and sure. It's based on faith in Jesus Christ, the one we place our hope in. Our hope is in Lord. It is a steadfast hope. It is a sure hope. It is something we believe in. But friend, you must know Jesus. Have you ever said, I feel hopeless? The Lord Jesus Christ can change that completely today. But you have to put your faith in him. Hope is built by faith in the word of God, both written and Jesus Christ, the living word. The hope that we can have in Christ. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Let me just talk to you about that for a moment. When we talk about faith at Bethel Baptist Church, we believe that a Bible faith is not just believing that Jesus Christ exists. The Bible says the devils believe and they tremble. Even those that are contempt, condemned to an eternity in hell believe. There are souls in hell today lifting up their eyes believing that Jesus is who he says he is. We are talking about a faith that believes that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he is the Savior, and that we must put a personal faith in him alone and have a relationship with Christ. And when we do that, he will wash away our sins by his shed blood. See, why would, why would he ever do that? Because we cannot pay the price ourselves. The wages of sin is death, according to Romans 6.23. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. You see, we have all sinned. We've all fallen away from God. All we like sheep have gone astray, the Bible says. And because of that sin, we live a life that is condemned to death one day. But God, God who is rich in mercy, sent his son Jesus Christ to pay the price for our sins to take our place. I preach today on hope to try to encourage a few folks that maybe are at home. Sometimes, I, I've been there, sometimes you get sick with something and you wonder, will I ever feel good again? Some people are home raising their hands right now going, that's how I feel. I just wonder if I ever feel good again. There's hope in Jesus. I want to encourage you today, just keep trusting Keep believing. But maybe there's one here today who said, I just feel like life is hopeless. 
You can have hope in Jesus Christ, but it comes through faith first. He becomes our hope when we enter into a relationship with him. Maybe there's one today say, Pastor, I'm not sure I'm saved. If I were to die today, I'm just not sure I'd spend eternity with Christ. I don't have that hope in my heart in this life or of eternal life because I've never trusted Jesus like you're talking about. A personal faith in him. A type of faith that'll allow Jesus to come in and cleanse me of my sins and completely transform my life. Have you trusted him like that? Maybe there's one here today. Just slip up your hand. I'm not going to embarrass you. Nobody's looking around, I promise. Would you slip up your hand today? I'm not sure. If I were to die today, I'd spend eternity in heaven with Christ. Could I pray for you? Maybe you're watching at home. We typically have, I think with all the different formats, 130, 140 people watch online. Probably a lot more today. If you're watching at home and you've never trusted Christ, we want to help you. Please, please, please call Bethel Baptist Church this week. Please email us somehow. Get on our web. You're already on our website. It's just a matter of looking up a staff name and clicking on it and emailing us, allowing us to help you. And we'll show you what the Bible says about having eternal life through Jesus Christ. Maybe you're at home and you say, I already know I need Jesus and I've heard it before and God has convicted my heart and right where you are, you can trust Christ as your Savior. It's simply acknowledging before God that you're lost, you're a sinner, and that you need Jesus Christ to be your substitute. He already has paid the price. He's already died on the cross. It's not crucifying Jesus afresh and anew. The work is done. It is paid in full. You just have to trust him now. Believe and cry out to him and say, Lord, save me. And he will save you today and his Holy Spirit will come in and transform your life. I'm not going to tell you what to pray. I'm just going to tell you right where you are. You just cry out to Jesus. And in your prayer, tell him, Lord, I'm lost. I'm a sinner and I need you. Would you save me today? Let's stand to our feet today. If God has spoke your heart, this altar's open. Step out and come. If we can help you, find the Lord. Show you what the Bible says about eternal life. We'd love to do that today. Would you come?